Well, it's another week, and uh, our 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 biggest, craziest, wildest. We got ten topics. We got ten it, news topics today, sir. Let me let me guess what we're going to talk about. Uh, Marvel. No, you have a list. DC. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I, you might be surprised. You might be surprised. See, we only ever talk about all the same things, Brady. Yeah, you can't, well, can't possibly be anything other than that. There's some, there's some, there's some variety this week. Definitely some Disney. There's definitely Disney, Disney in I there. Mean, but that's, Disney that, owns half that's, the industry, yeah. so it's hard to get away from. Yeah, them. three quarters of the things you just listed were Disney. <laughs> Uh, hello and welcome to the Movie Man Podcast. Yeah, the B team. Um, that is not Pete. And this isn't Bob Iger. All right, I'm 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 Brady. That's this is way too confusing. <laughs> I'm Brady, and I'm Carl. Uh, and this is our weekly movie news show. Um, so. Th- if this is your first time joining us, then kind of the way this works is once a week we sit down and we talk about some of the things that happened in the last week of movie news. And the things we, kind we of, care about. The things we care about. We kind of give our opinions and our our opinions and <laughs> we our just two talk cents. About, Yeah, we talk about <laughs> it and we kinda, of, you know, offer a little our bit of thoughts. insight. I try to offer a little bit of like you know, behind the the scenes insight whenever I can, right? Like, yeah, give something. Your, give, that, a, give a phone call up to George Lucas and be like, "Hey, what's up with this Star Wars thing?" Yeah, which I try, and he says, "Do I don't uh, I don't I don't know I don't own it I I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I try, uh, but in all honesty, I do try to limit. Like, I feel like I only have so many George Lucas phone calls. Um. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to shoot all my lifelines in one shot. Right. Does that make you sense? You only get one hall pass a year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so like I said, it's a packed show today, so we're just going to jump right in. Speaking of Disney. <laughs> so <laughs> Disney, Disney bought Fox a little while ago. Um, and one of the things that... A lot of people were kind of curious about when Disney bought Fox is what was going to happen to some of Fox's uh, more adult kind of IPs, right? Not like the the stuff that doesn't fall into the the Magic Kingdom kind of envelope. Uh, one of those franchises being the Alien films. Um, obviously, started back in. The first one is late 70s? Uh, 1979. 79. Uh, Ridley Scott's um, <clears throat> Alien. And yeah. then, of course, that went on to James Cameron did one. And then uh, who did the third one? Uh, it's another It's another big name. Three. Alien 3 was directed by... Uh, do do Directed by Dave David Fincher. Yeah, so a, kind of a franchise that's been passed around back and forth. Um, the last couple entries back with Ridley Scott. Um, but yeah, now Disney owns it, and we're all kind of sitting here going, "Huh? 
are we going to get more alien or is that a little too like is is that something that they're not going to prioritize well a little while ago we got prey which was sort of the newest installment in the predator franchise um yeah and was Uh, quite good yeah i i enjoyed it i maintain uh... prey is the best entry since the original I think it's the best one that in for my for my my taste my interest in my opinion I I like it the second best out of the entire franchise. Yeah. I I would uh, the first holds up as being one of probably the best in the series. You son of me. a bitch. Um I think followed closely by was it uh I think it was just Predator Alien vs. Predator, yeah. No, 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 yeah. not Alien vs. Predator. I think it was just pre- the, the one where um, the main character gets abducted and sent to, like, a Predator hunting ground. Oh, I, they all kind of start to blend together, you know? Well, most of the all, all of them are on Earth except for that one. Right. Yeah, I st- but I I don't know. I don't know which one that was. But any <clears throat> yeah, so anyways, on the- when Prey came out, that definitely sort of breathed some life into the possibility yeah. of more alien. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely yeah, it's if it's if it's third on my list, it's a very close to second third. Right. Uh yeah. and so we have official word now that Disney is moving forward with a new aliens movie. Not only it is a new aliens movie coming, but we have a cast um, and I got to tell you, I pulled up the cast list that they announced for this movie, and uh, I don't, I don't recognize anybody. <laughs> Which they're not, they're not bringing back Sigourney no. Weaver. Uh, no, and I mean Sigourney Weaver hasn't been back for the last couple of them, right? Like it, it's no. sort of the, the prequels that they did. Um, it'd be kind of a really cool story to say like, this is where she is now after all this stuff has happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, depending on, depending on where they're planning on setting it and in sort of the timeline and, and, you know, um, and within like physical proximity to, to where her character, what was her character's name? Uh, It was like a unique name. Look that up. I'll get it for you in a second. Keep going. Um, Ripley. Ripley. Yeah. Um, where Ripley's character would be sort of, you know, in proximity to where the new story is going to happen. Um, it, listen, there's nothing wrong with the fact that I that it, the cast is a bunch of relatively unknowns. Um, I, nope. In fact, that could be that could be a total beneficial thing for this <clears throat> film. What I'm curious about your opinion. Um, are, how, how up to date, like, have you seen all the alien films? Uh, I, I know I've seen fun little side story here. That's related. I saw my parents rented alien from the movie store back when those were things when like I the was OG, like, the first one. Yeah. I must've been like, which is just straight up horror. That one. Yeah. Five, six, maybe even seven years old, somewhere in that vein. I was young, younger than I should have been. And I and I was like in the living room watching it while they were watching. <laughs> and I straight up I remember having nightmares about it. <laughs> I knowing your parents, I can't even picture your like I'm struggling to watch your yeah, parents I, sit down to watch. I don't know. This. I don't yeah, I don't know why 
why they got that one. We got a lot of Woot stuff. Like, I mean, back then, uh, you'd go to the movie store and you'd kind of peruse and you'd grab what uh, fits your fancy, right? Kind of like this kind of for those that haven't ever been to a movie store because <laughs> yeah. we're we're ancient. Yeah. Um, and all you really had you know, to go like on it's, was it's it's like surfing Netflix, but you don't mm-hmm. get previews. <laughs> you don't get previews. You can't really so, like all you sort of have to go on is is the write up on the back of the box. Yeah, right. It's not like they the were pictures. hopping on the internet and and yeah. wow, what is this film about and who's in it? Yeah. And, so yeah. you, you may have talked to a friend who's seen it, or you could ask an associate that works at the store yeah. what it's about and if it's any good. But yeah, yeah, for the most part. Your 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 whole entire judgment is based off of your prior knowledge about the film before you got to the store and the box and art. Don't have any prior knowledge about it. What the box art and description yeah. says. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was one of those situations where my dad was just like, "Oh, I heard this was good. Oh, uh, it's cool. Let's watch it. You know, picture. it looks like a western in space because yeah, picture of an egg stuff. on the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like eggs. But uh, <laughs> so I've seen that one. I know I've seen the second one. I'm not sure if I've seen the third one. Mm-hmm. I've seen Prometheus. So I've missed four Resurrections, and I haven't seen Covenant yet that came out in 2017. Okay. Um, um, listen, I think. Uh, you know, and this may be an unpopular opinion. I think that it's time for the Alien franchise to just go back and like go back to basics, right? So the first one is is straight up horror, right? You just have uh, uh, sort of this colony. They're out on space, and there's some alien eggs, and stuff is bad and you know something's aboard the ship we don't want it aboard the ship from there it became very like the second one is i mean it it feels like james cameron was cutting his teeth and like prepping himself for what he wanted to do sort of with terminator right like it's it's a sci-fi horror space militaristic kind of thing um the third one is all like set in a uh like this abandoned or not abandoned but this sort of like super remote space prison thing and it's 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 kind of goes action even more um and then the new ones like the the prequel ones that we've got sort of leaned back into the horror but they also i think as much as i enjoyed them they were kind of weighted down by trying to introduce all of this extra lore, right? Like yeah. trying to introduce new species, new variations on on the xenomorphs and and the history of them and the background and all of this stuff. And it was cool. It was fascinating. Like I enjoyed it, especially if like if you sat down to watch Prometheus and didn't know what you were watching going in, it's not until like the last 25 minutes of the movie that you go, Holy shit! This is an aliens film. <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't focus on the aliens as much as it does the. Um, what do they call them? I don't know the the Isu the, or the like, you know the the, the first four, civilization, the one yeah, the ones that came before, the ones that created them. Yeah, and so I honestly I think as interesting as all of that can be, I think we're ready for just a straight up colony in space. Something gets onto the ship, 
or something gets into the base, something, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. Uh, and, and, and just like tense scenes and, and suspense and jump scares and, and whatever else. Um, but what are your thoughts? Is this uh, like, are you interested in new alien films? Are you kind of over it at this point? Should we let this be an IP that dies out? And if not, then what is the direction? Do we keep building on this? this crazy lore and take it even deeper and turn it into this whole expansive universe? Or do we just go, Hey, you know what? This is a, this started as a horror franchise. It hasn't taken the straight up basic horror approach in geez, like 40 years now. So maybe it's time to, to just get back to that. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think, I don't know with with Prey doing such a great job of breathing kind of some new life into the Predator series, right? Like one and two are really good. Uh, one obviously being far superior than two. Uh, Aliens versus Predators was fun, not great. No, it falls into the same uh, category Predators, as like Predator Freddy versus Tours Jason is the stuff. one that I think is second best in in the series. Uh, okay. It's got a- Adrian Brody as the right. Yeah, it was a relatively recent one. Yeah. Uh, so and then so it was really good. And then you had that kind of one eight years later, twenty eighteen. We had the Predator, which wasn't very good. <laughs> Is probably the worst of all of every all of them, but then we get Prey uh, four years later, and Prey is excellent, like and kind of revitalized, breathes kind of some new life into the series. I, I mean, the fact that these two worlds are linked uh, via Aliens versus Predators in the comics and movie or in the comics and video games and stuff, I, I think you know like. If if they can do what they what they did with prey, not not necessarily going back in time and more kind of before the all the other movies, not like another prequel, but just like have a script that's really solid and just breeze life back into the film or the the series, and kind of goes back to the roots of what what the series is about, right? Which is like these hard to kill, scary, stealthy aliens and humans being freaked out and not knowing what to do. <laughs> yeah, we don't need all these layers. Just, just yeah. you know, you got a scary monster. You've got people in the difficult to survive. Like you, you have people in the setting that is outer space which presents all sorts of scary complications to begin with, right? Like yeah. pressurized cabins and airlocks and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, you're in space. Yeah. This is just yeah, we don't need this, uh, that. engineers. That's what they're called. I'm on the Prometheus wiki. We don't need this whole engineers storyline about where the aliens came from. They can yeah. just exist in space because – well, as the title says, they're aliens. Yeah. <laughs> it was know? fun. It happened. We have some backstory now. Great. Fantastic. Let's just move forward. You yeah. know, I don't Let's need to back. see them come to Earth. 
Because it's just like, it, all of a sudden, I think if you were to, you know, ooh, a xenomorph made it to Earth in the modern day and it's wreaking havoc, it's just suddenly infinitely less scary. Because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, now you're on our turf and we can deal right. with you. <laughs> right? Like it, What if, it, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah. The idea of them being on Earth doesn't appeal to me, but something like a colony being infested like and and them trying to like take back or defend a colony from s- s- many aliens would be pretty interesting yeah possibly okay I well think. um yeah. most importantly though we want to know what you think so you know drop a comment let us know reach out to us are you sick and tired of aliens i'm excited i am excited i'm not like oh yeah i've been waiting for this but uh, you know, hearing that one is on the way, I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, that's you know, if if we're going straight up horror, and you're gonna give me, you're gonna give me the old fashioned alien experience, I'd go see that in the theater. I think that's a a you know fun big screen bucket of popcorn sort of experience. Moving on, um, I, it's talking about how old we are. <laughs> a long time ago. There was a time before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's true. I know. I know. <laughs> right now you're thinking, ah, bullshit. No, no, no. It, it, it was true. And Marvel, as a company, as a studio, uh, was doing everything they could to fend off bankruptcy. <laughs> like, they were, they yeah. were in a lot of trouble. And... Um, and so in order to kind of keep the lights on and the heat going, they started offloading a bunch of their characters um, to any studio that was willing to buy a character or the rights to make films with those characters. Sure. Here you go. Here are the rights. Give us tens of millions or however much of what probably probably a shamefully low amount of money by today's standards. Um, here you go. Go do it. Make something. Um, and there were there were things built into some of the like all of the deals kind of looked different. Some of those deals were if the studio that bought the rights didn't have a film based on that property in production every X many years and the rights would revert back. Some of them didn't have that clause built in. Um, but but that's what happened, right? You had characters like the X-Men and Fantastic Four. And Daredevil go over to Fox. You had characters, obviously, like Spider-Man go over to Sony. And and Spider-Man's kind of pantheon of of characters. Um, And then you had uh, Universal bought the rights to a couple of characters, um, like the Incredible Hulk and Namor. And if you've been to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, they have a roller coaster called the Incredible Hulk, which is something they can do because it's a, the Hulk is a universal property. Um, this presented a little bit of complications for Marvel. Once Universal Marvel, is in, as in Universal Studios can use them, not as in everybody can use them. Universal Studios, <laughs> yeah, Camp uh, Comcast, Comcast yeah. to be more more <laughs> stock market. Accurate. Um, and so once once Marvel kind of got their shit together, uh, they were like, oh, 
man, <laughs> some of our characters that we would love to do things with, um, yeah. we now can't do. And it, that sort of initiated a long process of trying to get as many of their characters sort of back under the umbrella like, to bring all their characters well, home. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, start, it started with utilizing characters that hadn't been sold off yet. It, yeah. Uh, so, so like Iron like Man Blade, and stuff like Blade, that. Blade was the first iteration of that to hit the box office that was Marvel Studios and really kind of kicked off this whole Marvel universe creation building, even though it's not technically part of the MCU. But yeah, and then right. they used the Avengers because the, they still owned all the Avengers. Well, most of the Avengers. <laughs> and yeah, from there, yeah, everybody pretty much knows the rest. Yeah. I just want to look up here because I was pretty sure that 1998 Blade. Uh, yeah, okay. Distributed by New Line Cinema, but that was, yeah. So, um. And so it began this sort of slow process of getting characters back. Um, Some of them they were able to get back because of those clauses we talked about where, you know, they kind of had to have something in production every X many years. And if they didn't, then the properties just kind of reverted back. And they didn't have to make a film. The film never had to see the light of day. (sighs) Yeah. They just had to be like, ah, yeah, we're working on something. We got a team and they're... There's a so, great example of that where is it Universal owns Fantastic Four or you no know, Fox Fox owned Fantastic Four did yeah and you know we got a two crappy well one was better than the other kind of ma- versions of the Fantastic Four but there was a stretch of period there that was really long where we didn't get any Fantastic Four and they actually had an almost fully completed yep film. There's something kind of yeah, always and it in the never work. saw light of day, never yeah. saw any media exposure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, and the process has come a long way. I, b- buying Fox was definitely a big part of that, right? So, yeah. Dare, the rights to Daredevil had already come back to Marvel um, through through one of those clauses, right? They just yeah. Fox wasn't doing anything with Daredevil. Their their window to do something with Daredevil kind of elapsed, and Marvel got the rights to that back. Um, what they weren't letting go of was Fantastic Four, and of course the X Men, because although Fox had no interest in continuity <laughs> when it came to the X Men films, um, even even the poorly performing X Men films. We're making money for Fox. That was that was yeah. a big franchise for Fox, um, and so that wasn't something they were going to give up anytime soon. Um, so obviously, purchasing Fox went a really long way. They got they got X Men back. They got Fantastic Four back. Um, the Spider Man situation. Sony still owns Spider Man. Um, we've talked about that sort of on and off. Basically, the reason why Spider Man is showing up in um, Marvel Films is a very complex deal that's sort of been worked out between Sony and Marvel, um, which is probably like more than likely 99% a temporary deal. So a day will come where, 
you stop seeing Spider-Man show up in the yeah. MCU. It, it will continue to happen as long as they play friendly and get along. But yeah, there's um, there, there. Yeah. There's always that chance that Sony will take their ball and go home. Yeah. And Sony make no mistake. Sony is not interested in selling. Sony is Sony no, is going to fight tooth got. and nail to not let the Spider-Man rights revert back to Marvel. Um, and the interesting wild card here, though, has been Hulk. Because we do have a Hulk film in the MCU, in The Incredible Hulk. We have the Hulk showing up in many MCU films. So the two characters, the two main characters that Comcast or Universal Studios owns is the Incredible Hulk and Namor. And Namor has also now shown up in the MCU and in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So what gives? Well, basically the deal that exists between the the sale that happened between Marvel and and Comcast was Comcast owns the distribution rights. So Marvel is allowed to use the character in... Marvel can put Hulk in an Avengers film. Marvel can put Hulk in a Thor film. Marvel can't make a Hulk film. That's when things start to get sticky. Well, what gives? Because they did make a Hulk film. It was the second film in the MCU. Yes, but what happens is if you if you were to go pop in your DVD or your Blu-ray right now of um of Iron Man, you see at the start it's, you know, it's 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 Marvel and it's this and it's that. If you pop in your disc of The Incredible Hulk, you're going to see a universal thing pop up at the beginning. The Marvel logo is still there because Marvel still helped, like they produced the film. Well, it's a Marvel property. It's a Marvel property. It's not owned by Marvel. But it wasn't distributed a, by, yeah. it was distributed by Universal. So basically what that means is if in the current climate, if Marvel turned around and they said, hey, we're going to make a Hulk film, they absolutely can do that. But then instantly Universal goes, Thanks. And they take the film and they do what they want with the film. Marvel doesn't get to, has no say over what happens to that film. Um, and I'll tell you right now, this is sort of a couple of people, I've seen a couple of people say this and it's absolutely right. One of the things that Comcast owns, Comcast has their own streaming service in NBC Peacock. Stupidest name for a streaming service ever. <laughs> Um, but they have their own streaming service. And so what would happen if tomorrow Marvel wrapped on an Incredible Hulk film, Universal or Comcast would take that film and they would not release it theatrically. They would drop it on Peacock 100% because to them, they're going, oh, we have, we now have an MCU property that we can have exclusively on our streaming service. And if you want to watch this, if you want to stay up to date with this ever-growingly complex MCU, you're going to be signed up to our streaming service. And Marvel's just not interested in that. I mean, Marvel would still make money out of this deal, um, but 
Kevin Feige's not in the business of of making hundred million dollar films and then having another company decide what happens with that film. So when big old Bob Iger took over Disney, we knew that a bunch of things were going to change. One of the things that Disney owns the majority share in right now is a company called Hulu. It's a streaming service called Hulu. We don't have access to Hulu here in Canada. Our Hulu properties show up on our Disney Plus under the, the what's it called, Star um, yeah, if we get section. Them at all. Yeah. But Disney doesn't own all of Hulu. A minority share is owned by Comcast. And there's a date coming up in the next little bit where something's going to happen. It's it's sort of this complicated legal business transaction thing. I don't fully understand it. Um, but basically, there's a date where one company can force the other company to buy out their shares, or they can force a sale, or they can... It's just a, a predetermined date in the contract, the way something... I Whatever. And there's a lot of industry insiders and financial advisors and like stock experts who are predicting that big Bob Iger's plan is to sell off Hulu back to Comcast. And that in doing so, part of his part of the the deal, I mean, there's going to also be a money exchange because I it's I think Hulu's worth a couple billion dollars um, that part of this deal is going to be getting back the rights to Hulk and Namor which would bring them home and would yeah. create the potential to be able to make standalone films for these characters um, I think it's possible that this is the plan but I've seen a lot of people talking about this, and I agree 100%. I think the potential of this happening is less likely than it was five or six years ago. Because, like, let's look at the two characters that are in question. You have Namor. Well, Marvel's shown we can use Namor in our films. We can have him as an antagonist. We can have him as a character. We just can't make a standalone Namor film. I don't know that that's... I don't know that making a standalone Namor film is high up on Marvel's priorities right now. Like, I... I you know, yeah. And I don't know that I'm all that interested, really. Like... I enjoyed him in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I think they set up the character in a really great, intriguing, I'm, you know, I'm all in, I like him kind of way. But I don't know, I don't know that many people are, are asking for a standalone Namor film. <clears throat> Likewise yeah. with the Hulk. So six or seven years ago, five, six, seven years ago, you had <clears throat> Hulk. You had angry, raging, scary, out of control. We need contingencies for Hulk. Since then, we've neutered Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> we've turned him into super smart Hulk. If you saw the end of She-Hulk, we have hanging out in backyard barbecues, 
Hey, I'll I'll take another burger, Hulk. Here's my son's scar. <laughs> and, and I just you can't do I like uh, I mean, you do whatever you want. I have zero interest in a Professor Hulk film. Zero yeah. interest. I have no interest in seeing <laughs> that Hulk on like in his own film or really showing up in other people's film. I think we need to if if Hulk has a future in the MCU as a, as a relevant, interesting character, something's got to happen where Bruce loses control and where <clears throat> this merger that he's done becomes undone. And man, oh man, you have you mustn't have seen the fan theory floating around that I've seen. I I haven't seen any fan theories. I have a theory of my own, so I'd be interested to see if it lines up. So. A, a, a story that a lot of there's two stories that fans have wanted for a long time regarding Hulk. One is Planet Hulk, um, which, which pretty much got. I don't. Yeah, which I don't think they're going to do because we pretty much they they pretty much did that in in Ragnarok. The other, obviously, being World War Hulk, and <sighs> I think we're a you can't do World War Hulk with Professor Professor Hulk. Like you just can't. It doesn't. That's it would it be no immensely stupid nobody's afraid no. of this hulk um but if in the comics i know that one of the things that kind of triggers or snowballs into the world war hulk storyline is the death of hulk's son and uh, so it's the death <clears throat> so it goes the illuminati who we kind of met a version of the illuminati in strange Dr. Strange, the Illuminati feel Bruce's uh, Hulk is too dangerous to be left on Earth. So they put him in a spaceship and they send him off into space. He gets he and he ends up landing on the on, on this planet where he gets captured and he has to fight as a gladiator. Very similar to what we got in the MCU. <clears throat> and as part of this, this happening, he kind of rallies a bunch of the gladiators and joins this rebellion and overthrows the empire ruling the the planet and then he now rules the planet and he marries one of the gladiators who's this alien female and uh and then what ends up happening is the spaceship he crashed on explodes destroying the entire planet and he As ends up do. taking himself. So he survives. Some of his gladiator buddies survive. And they come to Earth to rain hell on those who destroyed his, what he considered his home and his life right. that he created for himself. And that's, that, that is World War Hulk. So that's a brief synopsis. Of so, so what I'm kind of wondering is if there's, if they're, I don't know that this is what they're setting up. I don't know that this is what they're planning. If they are like the introduction of Hulk's son in She-Hulk and all this stuff, like if if that's where we're going, if if Hulk, if Bruce is going to experience some sort of tragic loss, and it's going to cause him to snap, and as a result, he reverts back to you know puny Banner, then then I'm game. Then I'm all for it. Give us a Hulk film. 
make Hulk a, a big, I, I mean, it, it would be several years out at this point anyways, because we know that we've got Secret Wars coming. We know that we've got Kang Dynasty coming. We know, like, <clears throat> yeah. it, it, there doesn't seem like there's room for that in the timeline anytime soon. Um, uh, but, yeah. but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that this is a move that Disney could make? Is, is Marvel even interested in getting the rights <clears throat> to these characters back? Or are they kind of content just using them the way that they're able to use them right now? Um, well, I guess in terms of the Hulu sell-off to get rights to things, I don't think they would do it just for Namor and Hulk. That I don't think that makes financial No, like I sense. said, there's going to be a big dollar yeah, value put in as well. Well, they're either going to get – Disney's either going to get more money with a bit slight – giving a slight discount for these characters or they're going to ask for, okay, we're going to give you, we're going to sell Hulu to you, but we want these characters and we want some of these other titles that are in your catalog. Uh, yeah, maybe. Right. So I, they're either going to, they're going to ask for a, a, for kind of subsidize those characters with money or with other franchises or characters to kind of flush out the Disney catalog of potential films that can right. make more money down the line. Yeah. So I just looked it up and Hulu is currently valued at 16 billion. And yeah. I'll tell you right now, Hulk and Namor are not worth that <clears throat> no. to Marvel. Yeah. Um, is it worth it for them to get those characters? I mean, yeah, they've, they've already a stat. Those, those are both now very recent and usable established characters in the, in the MCU. So having full control of those characters to do what you want and, uh, is a valuable asset. Like Namor was just, uh, entered the MCU just a few months back, right? Like he's a very recent character in terms of the Marvel universe of comics. He's, he's all over the place in terms of being an antagonist, a protagonist, you know, uh, an anti-hero, right? He he fits into all kinds of groups, X-Men to, to the Avengers, to the Fantastic Four, right? So he he's a valuable character in terms of story and plot and, and development that they can draw from from comics. Uh, and same with the Hulk. Hulk is still an active, playing an active role in the MCU. So having full control of that to do what you want that's that's a valuable thing, right? Whether now, I agree with you. I think people would have preferred to see a Hulk movie a few years back. In his current state, he's not as interesting because one of the things that makes Hulk interesting is this uh, chaotic relationship between the Hulk and Bruce Banner, and that no longer exists. <clears throat> that being said. The, the, the fan theory that I seen rolling around was, was kind of what you were saying is like the Hulk breaks free. Uh, but it was, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily triggered by anything. This theory, it's just, it was more based on information that we already have, not, uh, storylines like, like what planet Hulk and world war Hulk. And, and that is pre Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, it was a chaotic relationship. 
Banner, if he was in control of his emotions, could suppress the Hulk. But things could easily cause the Hulk to break free and the Hulk would be in control until something or somehow he calmed down and Bruce Banner can regain control. Very chaotic and kind of messy, but great for script writing and storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Interesting. Yeah. The, the next, then, then we get Ragnarok mm-hmm. and in Ragnarok, the Hulk is in full control all the time. Bruce cannot retake control. He's in the back seat full time until um, Thor somehow, I can't remember. Uh, it wasn't Thor specifically. It was uh, a video of Natasha, I believe. Yeah, Br- recording snaps, on the Quinjet. I yeah, think. snapped snapped him out of it, and uh, he was able to. But it was like several years of the Hulk being in control, right? Yeah, yeah it was like three years or something. <clears throat> yeah. So and then we got through the rest of uh, through the Infinity Saga. Hulk doesn't want to be in control because he feel like he's being used. And then we find out banner over the five-year blip ended up merging the two identities yeah so the theory picks up here that even though the identities are kind of merged the best of as as uh as banner puts it it's the best of both worlds the the brains of banner the the strength of hulk Hulk is still in the back seat. He's not yeah. in control. Yeah. Essentially Banner is is doing what he's always done <clears throat> and is just using the Hulk when when he he needs it. Yeah. So the the theory is kind of like <clears throat> the it's kind of we're getting the reverse <clears throat> of Thor Ragnarok. We're now Banner's in control full time. Hulk never gets a say, and so yeah, maybe, maybe they 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 weren't they didn't. A couple of the theories kind of go into what could potentially snap it out, but I mean, it, it could be anything. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be something else. But yeah, Hulk takes control, and we get like a, a stronger, meaner version of Hulk we've never seen before. Hmm. Um, yeah, that being said, <clears throat> the, the comics have been doing something for a few years now, which is really interesting <clears throat> where in the, in the comics, we've seen a bunch of what seem like different iterations of the Hulk <clears throat> and it breaks down the comics. Kind of, I haven't really read them, but I've seen some synopsis and some YouTube videos. Excuse me a sec. Are you dying? I think he's dying. Throat's um, parching up. <clears throat> they um, uh, they essentially attribute that. Uh, if I, uh, I hope I get this correct. So if I don't, you can correct me in comments. But uh, <clears throat> all these different iterations of the Hulk are like multiple personalities, right? And the Hulk personality as a whole is not. It's not, 
is is part of who uh, Bruce is as a defense mechanism, <coughs> not necessarily as a, um, a a cause of a gamma experimentation or bomb. Does right, that make sense. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Just so they could they could it. go down that route too, right? Like trapped within Bruce Banner are all these versions of Hulk <coughs> that he can access. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to move on and introduce the next topic so you can get your your life back on track here. Uh, Please. <laughs> so uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, the biggest piece of movie news in who knows how long has been that Hugh Jackman is coming back to play Wolverine one more time. Uh, something that he's sworn up, down, left, right, center that he wasn't going to do. Um, he was done. He'd, he'd hung up the claws. He was moving on. Um, and it, someone online was saying, and I, I, I think this is absolutely right, that n- the only other news that comes close to how massive this is in the world of of film and and movie news um in the last 20 years was that disney was buying star wars and that there was more star wars coming like that was massive that was groundbreaking that was holy shit um but this is like this is right up there this was this was crazy when this dropped um he's coming back and we talked about He's planning on getting big for this. He's plan, you know, he's gonna look like Wolverine. And one of the things that he said in an interview recently was that, you know, in each film, each time he played Wolverine, he was a little bit bigger. He was a little more jacked than he was in the previous film. And he didn't see a reason in in kind of breaking that tradition. Um, so he was he was aiming for bigger. And that was really fascinating because one of the reasons that Hugh Jackman repeatedly gave for why he was kind of over it and didn't want to do it anymore was the the regimen, was the workout regimen and the ridiculous diet that he had to be on. Like, he, I think he was just looking forward to being human again, <laughs> like living <Yeah>. his life <laughs> and not having to do this, this crazy regimen. Well... Well, it's not even that. It's not even... It wasn't even the regiment stuff like the shirtless scenes and stuff. He oh, would yeah. dehydrate for like 24 hours before yep. shooting these scenes. So there's like not an ounce of dehydrated doing these intense action scenes, craving water. Yep. But that's how you to get that definition. That super lean look. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so he's back in the swing. And he's working away and he's eating away. And we just recently got a fun little nugget of information when Hugh Jackman revealed what his current dietary lifestyle looks like. And it's intense. (laughs) It's intense. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Um, Hugh Jackman is currently consuming eight thousand calories a day yeah because that's what you're gonna do if you're gonna need calories (laughs) if you're gonna bulk up then yeah you gotta eat the food um 
Jackman's, I'm reading this straight from the, the Variety um, article, a quote from Jackman. Jackman's meals include black bass, every day, every day, 2,000 calories worth of black bass, uh, 2,100 calories worth of salmon. So we're 4,100 calories in fish every day, <laughs> which is a lot of fish to be eating. Uh, <clears throat> two chicken burgers, around 1,000 calories each, and two grass-fed sirloins, around 1,100 calories each. This means that Jackson is consuming over 8,000 calories a day now that he is getting bulked up for Wolverine. Jeez. I mean, I to some people, that sounds like... I understand how on the surface it can sound like a dream come true. I get to eat that much every day? That's amazing, right? I don't have to count my calories to make sure I'm not going over. I don't have to like try to stay in a deficit so that I can lose weight. There's nothing fun about this. Like maybe day one, it sounds kind of fun, <clears throat> but it's literally like every every forty five minutes you got to be eating again. He, it's yeah, it's it's like scientific bodybuilding. <laughs> like he's he's got pro- uh, probably a team of people just looking at his diet, and he's got to eat very specific things to stay one healthy while he's doing this, but also two to make sure that he's getting enough calories to supply that, that um, energy that his muscles need because they're growing so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I, and then I'm also just thinking like, if I were to eat, what we just listed. If I were to eat 8,000 calories, and that's all meat, by the way, like this, this, I didn't list, oh, and then he's also having broccoli and he's having carrots and he's having- There's some veg and stuff in those meals. There'd be a little bit, but it's it's steamed. It's like, it's not fried. There's no salt on it. There's no, like it's it's as raw and organic as you can possibly get. if I were to eat that, I'm I'm laying in bed for the rest of the day. I'm sitting on the couch with my pants undone, watching Netflix. I'm probably even feeling too full to like play video games. Like I'm not even like I just kind of need to lay there, <clears throat> not hit the gym. <laughs> Like, that's the other part of this that is like, he's eating nonstop, he's eating ridiculous amounts, and then he's going and doing sit-ups, and he's bench pressing, and he's, Mm. ah, it's just, I don't know, it's absurd. I'm grateful, I I am all kinds of grateful that Jackman is willing to do this in order to, in order to, to, be the beautiful specimen that Wolverine is or has that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine has been. But good Lord, I don't know. You hear this, uh, like, what are your thoughts? Like, can you, does this, does any part of this sound enjoyable to you? Is it remotely appealing? Is this 
a sensible thing for Jackman to be doing to get ready for this role? Is it like, I don't know. I just don't even know where to go with something like this. Well, I mean, this is his job. (laughs) So if my job was to uh, go to the gym and work out and eat a meal somebody's planned for me, I mean, I I could probably do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would probably get old pretty quick. Well, I think that just kind of part of that speaks to kind of the, um, the intensity and dedication that some of these actors have. Oh, keep in mind, he's doing this at 54 years of age as well. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. It's, there's an intensity and a, and a dedication to to create your vision in, in real bring your your vision to life. Yeah, <clears throat> right. Like he's he's got lot lots of time, I assume, to to get there too. Like he's he wasn't <clears throat> he wasn't uh, dad bod flabby when he started this. No, right. So. Does he have far to go? Probably, but he ha- he already had a good head start. He already was probably like <clears throat> after like the last Wolverine movie he did, he probably very much so kept up with some of these healthy things like working out regularly and eating well, right? Because <clears throat> as much as people want to like I'm a, I'm a pretty healthy guy and I I like staying active and eating well, but it's expensive to do those things. It is not, it's not cheap. You can, there are, there are cheap ways to do it, but like when, when you're in a position like, like a movie star is, you've got all kinds of money to throw at it to stay there. And you, so when you're someone like, Ryan Reynolds or any of the Avengers like actors like you want to stay there or relatively close to that spot not as you might not necessarily want to be on peak all the time you don't necessarily have to be there on all the time but you want to stay healthy so that you can you can continue to get the roles that you want that are kind of more action based or something if that's what you're looking for right yeah yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I do know that he, like, coming into doing this, he's been touring with his, like, his stage show. He, you know, goes around and he sings and performs and stuff like that. And that he was yeah. having to, um, he had, like, a dietary coach traveling with him um, because on average – you know, just like moving around the stage and and doing some of the the choreography and stuff that I guess he does during his show. Um, he was burning fifteen hundred calories a night doing the show, and so he was already like having to eat a lot just to not wither away. Because if you're only eating, you know, your twenty five hundred daily calories, um, and you're burning. 
1500 of that away like you can't survive you can only survive on a thousand calories a day for so long before there's not much left of you you know before you don't have the energy to get up and go to tomorrow night's show so no it's nuts i'm you know i'm excited i think i think it's it it should be an exciting thing knowing that, you know, that the, the Wolverine that we're going to get is going to look like this ripped lean. He's going to be the Wolverine that we know and love. Um, and as much as it pains me to say this, and I, I like, I don't even, there's no question. I know that he's done after this. I hope he's done. Like (laughs) he's earned it. Like just, you know, I, I would watch another, he's, he's played the role for 20 years. 20 plus years I would gladly watch him for another 20 I don't care 70 year old 74 year old Hugh Jackman whatever bring it on you know but yeah the man's earned it like just a younger Wolverine would definitely fare better in the MCU (laughs) oh absolutely absolutely um you're playing him yeah no worries um you you get what I did there no worries he's Australian (laughs) No, didn't didn't land. Okay, because he's an Aussie. Uh, yeah. Uh, moving on. So we have Daredevil. We were talking about Daredevil. We we're talking about Daredevil returning to the MCU or having returned to Marvel. And one of the things that Marvel did um, it, that was kind of like weird and confusing, but not really, but sort of was for a while, was they had their their what's now referred to as the Defenders saga. Um, which was a a Netflix-based collection of shows that were running sort of simultaneously with the MCU, um, but not really connected in any way. Like, there was no real hard, like, you know, oh, yeah, the, uh, the time that the aliens invaded New York and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There may have been the weird, odd little wink, nudge, poke at the audience Easter egg to kind of be like, huh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, but for the most part, it was kind of just accepted. Like this is its own thing. It's kind of happening off on its own. Um, I find it sad that you look at it that way. I, that's, that's glass half empty. I always, I've always looked at it, continue to look at it and will always look at it as being, it's part of the MCU. Okay. Um, so anyways, <laughs> they definitely did they definitely did less to try to tie it in than Agents of Shield did. But even after a while, Agents of Shield was like, you know, if this is connected, is pretty loosely connected. Like it was we, you know, every time there'd be a big MCU film or something would happen in the next episode of Agents of Shields, you'd get a nod at it. You'd be, there'd be like a newspaper article or some news thing happening on the TV in the background that was like, oh, you know, the cleanup in New York and blah, blah, blah. But but as that show went on, those became less and less and it just kind of became its own. I, it just became difficult to try to maintain a continuity, I think, um, because, you know, you have this show, you got to knock out so many episodes and, and try to keep it going. And um, But the Defender saga consisted of uh, Daredevil, started with Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. Then I believe the next one we got was Jessica Jones. Correct. Um, then we had Luke Cage. Um, or was Iron was, Fist next? I think it was 
Well, Daredevil had three seasons. Yeah, but I mean, just <clears> in <throat> terms got, of them being introduced. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, in that in that order of just introduction and not of which seasons came first or yeah. second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, no. that is the order. Yeah, yeah. Iron Fist was last. Yeah, so Luke Cage, Luke Cage, then Iron Fist, and then we had the Defenders. Um, yeah. and that was all <laughs> sort. It was like this weird time where. The MCU seemed, they kind of had a little bit of like Star Warsism going on where it was like, mm. hey, this is what we're going to do and these are the movies we're going to make. And then stuff started kind of changing. Like we were going to get an Inhumans movie for the longest time and then we didn't get an Inhumans movie. We got a really bullshit, awful Inhumans show that was kind of sort of tied into this, but right. not really tied into that. And then <clears throat> did get Dirt. a callback in Doctor Strange <clears throat> Multiverse of Madness when we had the same character or the same actor playing Black Bolt. And so it was like, okay, so like that is tied in connected or is it not? Like what's... Yeah. In what terms of the doing? Netflix series, we did miss one character, but I think you're leading into that. So, um, Oh, and we had the Punisher. Yeah. yeah, we had Punisher had his own his own well, series. He, he was introduced in Daredevil season in two Daredevil. and got his own show. And so it was announced a little <clears throat> while ago. So it was like that was the big thing, right? Is that it? You can view it as connected, but it was still it was never concrete that well, it was, okay if <laughs> if the MCU is going to bring daredevil over and make it like mcu proper <clears throat> is it going to be the same daredevil are we going to get charlie cox are they going to recast and and do their own like that was always yeah. kind of well, up in the it air it was it was always unclear <clears throat> because and it was unclear on purpose i think because the movies were always dealing with kind of larger global kind of threats and the shows were always like, this is these are like street level problems, individual neighborhood problems. Yeah, yeah. And so that all kind of changed a little bit for us when, well, it didn't. It, but it still wasn't concrete, and it's still not. And we'll get into why. But it, all of a sudden, there was like, ooh, what does this mean when Charlie Cox showed up as Matt Murdock in Spider Man No Way Home? Um, so we got In a that very cool fashion, very cool fashion. And then we got Fisk showing up in Hawk, Hawkeye. Yep. <clears throat> and it was the same actor whose name is escaping Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Yeah. Um, and so that was, but, but he seemed different. Like it was, it was kind of the same Kingpin, but a little more comic booky and a little more like it it it, it was it was the same actor but even Tanafrio in a couple of interviews said like this is a this is the same kingpin but it isn't like he he said he would say things like it's great to be back playing the character again and and getting to experiment with this new take on him. And so stuff like that was kind of leaving us all out in the open. Like, okay, is this just, is it just fun that you're casting the same people in this new actual MCU version now? Or is this the same Kingpin? Like, does that Kingpin have those memories? Are we messing around with multiverse stuff where 
it's not technically the same kingpin, but that other stuff could still have happened in a in a different universe. Like, w- you know, what's happening? And then Charlie Cox was announced that we were going to get a Deadpool series, or Deadpool, that we're going to get a Daredevil series, Daredevil Reborn, coming to Nef- or Netflix, coming to Disney+, Plus, 18 episodes. Um, but in, in interviews, Charlie Cox would talk about because that was every it's been everyone's question is this the same daredevil or is this a different version of daredevil and charlie cox has also been it seems like intentionally ambiguous about it has not really given a yes or no in either direction and kevin feige's been pretty ambiguous about it and is not giving a concrete yes or no to us in either direction and so, and even the, the, the version, so then Daredevil showed up in a couple of episodes of She-Hulk. And yes, it was Charlie Cox, but it, it, it just kind of, not just the costume, but it kind of felt different. Like this was a, this was a Daredevil that was kind of cracking wise a little bit more and didn't like personality wise felt a little bit different than the Daredevil that we, that we know from the Netflix show. Mm. So what that question has continued. Is it the same? Is it not? Well, we know a couple of new things now. Number one, we know that John Bernthal, who played the Punisher in in the defend the Netflix Defender Saga is going to make an appearance. We don't know how big, we don't know how small, but is going to make an appearance in the Daredevil show. So he is now coming over to the MCU as well. He's he's a good Punisher too. So he's a good, good Punisher. News. Now this will be it, make no mistake. If you're whether it's supposed to be the same Daredevil or not, or I'm I'm tripping all over my mouth here. <laughs> Whether it's supposed to be the same Punisher or not, make no mistake, if you are going into this new Daredevil series hoping and expecting to see the same type of Punisher that you saw in the Netflix series, you are going to be sorely disappointed. Because that Punisher show, as it should have been, and and we're all glad it was, was very much a TVMA mature yeah it was a brutal show it's the punisher that's not going to be what you're getting on this disney plus marvel mcu daredevil show it just isn't now is that confirmed or is that your theory it's it's confirmed in the sense that kevin feige has said repeatedly that the MCU, that Marvel is not going to make R-rated content with the exception of Deadpool. That Deadpool is their one exception. And so any of their TV properties, any of their movie properties will never be more than a PG-13. Now, you can get away with a lot with a PG-13. You can do a lot of stuff. And still yeah, maintain like, a PG thirteen. Punisher rating. can still like break bones and stuff yeah, like that. But you're not going to see him not, pulling it's, out it's people's like amount entrails. Of blood and, and amount of language that are the big language is a big one. And a nudity. And, and then just nudity, and then just a certain <clears throat> those, level those of three gore are like, like the big thing. Yeah, yeah you can only blood. show so much blood. <clears throat> blood, uh, blood, language, and and nudity are like the big three that 
bump something to R. Yeah. Um, another piece of news that we have. Karen We're and already? Karen and Foggy. No, no. Uh, no Daredevil related. Karen okay. and Foggy will not be appearing oh. in this new Disney Plus show. Hmm. Furthermore, they are recasting the role of Vanessa Fisk. Hmm. Which just continues to keep this show and this iteration and what's happening in this weird limbo of, is it the same? Is it not? I mean, once this show drops, I'm sure we'll get a concrete answer, right? Either Charlie Cox is going to come out and say it, Kevin Feige will come out and say it, or there will be something that happens in the show in the first episode that references some sort of major event or whatever from the from the Netflix series and we'll go oh okay so, so this is the same it's the same one um but it's just kind of like this weird limbo right now another interesting thing though about the punisher coming in which several people have started debating on the internet and i i don't it's 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 a fascinating thing to ponder since we last saw Punisher show up in the Netflix series. There are some less than desirable groups in our world who are violent groups, who are um, just not good people. (laughs) And I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give them any, it's not even worth mentioning their name. Um, who have sort of adopted and and hijacked the Punisher logo. That's the logo that they use to incite their violence and and do whatever. Um, And we've seen sort of some ramifications of this show up. They kind of retrofitted, the Punisher got a new chest emblem in the comics. Um, I think it looks ridiculous. I don't like it at all. Um, (laughs) But I understand why, like I, I get it, I just, that's not the design I would have picked. Um, do you think when John Bernthal shows up in the Daredevil Disney Plus show, are they going to A, even bother putting a skull on his chest? And if they do, is it going to be the Punisher logo that we that we're familiar with is it going to be an updated version that they kind of change like it's it's this sort of like weird social political line that i feel disney has to walk right now Hmm. yeah i don't know i i think my opinion would be just roll with it like Use the classic logo. People are gonna do with take take and use things for their own uh, means, one way or the other. <clears throat> There's nothing, not not much you can do about it. And I don't think changing the logo is going to have any positive or negative effects on a situation like what you're. Um, talking about right 
No, I, I and I <laughs> I don't think that them using it is going to incite further violence. I just wonder if it's like sort no, of a PR thing. Changing on it isn't Disney's. going to reduce that violence. Just you know, like no. But I just wonder if that's yeah. something that Disney wants to distance themselves from. But right, yeah, it's hard to I say. Mean, yeah, there's that potential too. Uh, but you hear all these could, casting I mean, things. You can do the you can do the Punisher without the logo too. Like absolutely, the logo is cool and it's, it's cool, but it's not necessary. To the Punisher. Yeah, but it's not it's not necessary. Yeah, it's not like the bat logo the, on on a yeah, bat suit. The, the character of the Punisher really doesn't, even though like he wears it all the time in comics and he doesn't have a costume. They've utilized it in all forms of media that we've seen for TV and movies. <clears throat> Realistically, the character of the Punisher isn't, it's not too far of a stretch for him to, to not come up with a logo for himself because he wants to remain kind of more cloak and dagger and an unknown. Just a well, and I mean, man. Frank Castle is always the Punisher, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, if if Bruce Wayne shows up and he doesn't have but, a suit on, then he's Bruce Wayne. He's not Batman. He doesn't have his gadgets with him. He doesn't have you know. He's, he's right. not able to like instill fear and use that that image of the bat. <clears throat> Whereas, if Frank Castle shows up with a knife, an assault rifle in a t-shirt and jeans, he's still Frank Castle. <laughs> he's still the Punisher. No, yeah. And he's still going to it's annihilate like, you. It's like, aside from motive and John Wick and and Frank Castle are the same character. And John Wick I doesn't mean, have a logo. John Wick's just been a, out of shape because syn- of his dog. He has a synonym that the world knows him by, that the underground world, like they know yeah. him as the boogeyman, right? And Frank Castle is known as, like he has a the pseudonym. Punisher. Yeah, which which is which strikes, but he doesn't have he doesn't need a logo. John no, Wick doesn't, doesn't have a logo. Doesn't have a costume, right? Yeah, realistically, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, cool. But uh, uh, but you hear these these casting things. Um, are you excited that John Bernthal's coming back? Are oh, you yeah. bummed out about Foggy and Karen? What are your thoughts on the recasting of Vanessa? And does any of this? give any sort of credence to whether or not this is the same. I think where I'm falling right now is like, if it turns out it's not the same, if it's not a direct continuation of the defender saga, then I'm okay. Just going, okay, well it's multiverse, right? Mm. So that's, it's fine. It's just a different, different, like all that happened, but it happened on a different earth. So I think that what we've been hearing from actors and Feige and all this stuff about whether it is or isn't connected or in the same universe, I think it's all smoke and water. Sorry, smoke and mirrors is the phrase. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know what that is, but <laughs> water can be reflective. <laughs> it sure can. Yep. Um. Yeah, it, I think I think they're going to connect them. Um, I think recasting is just, it's just that they're just recasting the character. So the character can continue in the story. The fact that, that Karen and and foggy aren't around. It's been a while since I seen the third episode of daredevil, but if I remember correctly, like he's already distanced himself from them. 
Yeah, kind of one of those. Correctly. Yeah, protect right, like, the ones <clears throat> I love. Yeah, so, yeah, he's already kind of done what Peter Parker has done in, in the MCU. He's, he's distanced himself from those people. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're connected. I think they're going to tie them together as neatly as possible. And I think they're going to recast where they need to and they should. And I see should because they they need to and should recast Iron Fist because that actor did not do that part justice at all. <laughs> he but he no, it. it was it was really bad writing too. Like it, that show had so just, many issues. Like okay, we talk about commitment and dedication to to the craft with Hugh Jackman, right? Charlie yeah. Cox, same thing. Commitment and dedication, like. The guy walked around with a blindfold on for months to get a yeah. sense of what it was like to be blind so that he could play the part better. He learned martial arts so he could play. The, the guy who played Iron Fist, he didn't know any martial arts. He didn't bother to learn any martial arts. So all of that, the the action scenes with him felt lame because he sucked. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like he didn't understand what he was doing. That's why that series out of all of the defender series was the worst received because he didn't have any dedication to his craft in, in learning the part and becoming the character of iron fist. Right. So yeah, <laughs> they need to recast that, that character. Yeah. So maybe that's why they're recasting Vanessa. Cause they want somebody different or the actress is want, doesn't want to come back or wants more money. So they're kind of doing what they did with Brody, you know, uh, but like, yeah, I think they're connected. I think it's all smoke and mirrors right now. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, if it's not, if, if I'm wrong, I'm still going to be happy because they're bringing back the actors that really made that series work. Right. Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Phenomenal. Charlie Cox is Daredevil. Amazing. Right. Um, John Berthel as the Punisher knocks it out of the park. Yes. Give, give him, give him an extended contract for 20 years. Right. Like as long as he wants to play him, let him play him. <clears throat> so yeah. Either way, I'm happy. I'll be happier if if it's smoke and mirrors what they're doing and it, they are they connect them. Yeah. And I don't think it would be difficult to. I don't think it'd be difficult at all either. No. Yeah. Cool. All right, moving on. Um Carl's least favorite thing for those who don't know is watching movie trailers. Like Carl just like it's, you know. Although I feel like there are some movie trailers. Your least favorite thing is watching movie trailers for films that you're excited for, you're planning on going and watching, yeah. right? If I send you a trailer tomorrow, like when I sent you a trailer for the Barbie movie, you're like, eh. I mean, I don't want to watch this because I just don't care, but I, <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah. It doesn't pain me to watch it. I'm not like worried about spoilers. Um, so I feel like this one was a little bit okay for you. Uh, we One of the big things that happened during the Oscars was that they dropped the trailer for The Little Mermaid, the live action Little Mermaid. 
We've gotten some teasers up until this point. We got like the cackle from Ursula. We got um, a couple of bars of Ariel singing, um, but we didn't get, really have like a full proper story trailer that kind of. I mean, we know what the story is, but a trailer that would would explain the story to you if you didn't know the story of the Little Mermaid. Um, so the trailer dropped. Listen, I've said it a a billion times. The purpose of a trailer is to take your excitement level from wherever it is and bump it up a couple notches, right? Maybe you're not interested at all. Now you are a little bit. Maybe you were a little bit. And now you're like, oh, man, like, this looks great. I sat down. I watched this trailer. It, for me, it's a successful trailer. It it took me from seeing these teasers and not really getting enough to kind of know what I'm feeling about it. Like, there wasn't enough to sort of make anything out of and go, okay, like, all right, I have a feel for this and, and I can kind of see what it's going to be like, what the scale of it is, what the production value feels like. Um, this trailer rectified all that for me. Um we get singing. We get to see King Triton in um, uh, uh, um, Javier Bardem's character. Uh, we see. Oh, I don't know the names. Is it is it James or Charles or whoever the whoever the the, oh, the people are going to crucify me here? Who's the love <laughs> interest in in the Little Mermaid? The little string them up mermaid em. prince is uh, Prince. Eric? Eric, George. yeah, 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 it's Eric. Um, so we get to see Prince Eric, we Steven. get to see Sebastian, we get Bob. to see Flounder, we get to see all of these characters, <clears throat> um, and we get to see we get we get to kind of get a feel. We see the the ship sinking and and the flames and tossed into the water and and Ariel getting her feet and showing up on on land and. And we get a full face shot of Ursula and Ursula working her voodoo and and I, man, I like I said, it, this I would say before I was kind of at like a five. I was at like, eh, I don't know. I I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I hope it's good, but I don't have enough to go on to know whether I think it's going to be good or not. Now I'm at like a seven and a half. I'm I'm yeah, I'm not jumping up and down. There's other movies coming that I'm more excited about, but I am definitely excited, and I'm looking at this trailer going, for a company like Disney whose live-action adaptations have been very hit or miss. They have. It's been a toin toss. A toin toss? A coin toss <laughs> on whether or not it's going to be. Some of them have been pretty phenomenal, and some of them have been utter trash. Um I think this is going to be one of the good ones. I really do. I sent you the trailer. You watched it. I hope. What what did you think of this trailer? And and did it do anything for for your interest level or your confidence in in how good of a film this is going to be? Um, I'm watching it now. <laughs> you didn't watch it. <laughs> No, we got all tied. I was going to watch it and then we got all tied up in discussion about something else and I, I ended up going to work and <laughs> I sent you the link for it like 3 days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I'll say this, and I said this during one of the teasers we talked about. Yeah, it looks really good. Specifically, when they're underwater, they got their tails, they're swimming around. It looks like the characters are supposed to be in the water and they live there. Yeah. Unlike with uh, Black Panther. Mm Mm-hmm. It was very unnatural and didn't look right at all. It, it looks it looks good. Um, am I excited about it? It's a live action remake. Uh, if you've been listening to this <laughs> me talk on this news show long enough, you, you know how I feel about these live action remakes. Uh, I'm I'm not holding my breath that it'll be good. I could care less. If it ends up being good, I'll probably end up watching it during a family movie night with my family and we'll probably get some enjoyment out of it, but Mm -hmm. it's not something I'm dying to watch even after watching the trailer just a second ago. Huh? Interesting. But yeah, it does. It does look good. It looks like they're doing the show, the movie, uh, original movie kind of justice. Mm hmm. One interesting thing you see in the trailer that that might be a sticking point for some people is the artistic approach that they've taken to Sebastian and Flounder um, by making yeah, them just look that. very, Flounder's very flat, normal. <laughs> like they look like Sebastian looks like a real crab, and and Flounder looks like a actual flounder um and that was a criticism it they seem to flip-flop on that because that was a criticism that a lot of people had with the lion king was that it was good but they kind of wished that the lion's faces had just a little bit more humanistic expression in them to kind of capture some of that emotion and the magic from the cartoon and then we see other ones where uh, in the most recent Pinocchio one, like Pinocchio seemed like he was actually physically there and tangible, but eerily animated at the same time. Like he looked exactly like he does in the cartoon, um, which did not save that film from being uh, fired in a bag of flaming dog. Anyways, um, so I don't know. That might be the one sticking point is that Flounder and, and Sebastian look too generic. They don't yeah. have their kind of Sebastian and Flounder look. Se- Sebastian's eyes look and mouth are very kind of not crabby. Yeah, they but they're still like not. They look off. Yeah. Flounder Flounder is not a flounder, though. I is googled flounder and flounder is like the a flat fish that sits at the bottom of the ocean and it's kind of brown. Oh, <clears throat> interesting. Oh, okay. Um, if I kind of grab, look for, I'm looking for a screenshot here. So what kind of there. fish is flounder? Flounder yeah. is meant to be an angel fish, some type yeah. of angel fish. More similar to that one-eyed fish from Finding Nemo in the in the tank. Mm. I think is what it's supposed to kind of look like. Yeah. 
which is 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 a very big kind of artistic interpretation of the character because in the in the animated one he's kind of fat and chubby if i remember right is he not he is and i'm i'm about to send you i'm about to send you an image um anyone if you type in flounder yeah. little mermaid you can look this up um this this image surfaced online months ago and i assumed it was real i think a lot of people <clears throat> assumed it was real it's a little unsettling looking but it kind of had more of that i just sent it it kind of had more of that live action but staying true to what the cartoon is feel to it and so i was very surprised uh, uh, my <laughs> assumption was that that was what they were it's doing it, it is creepy <laughs> It is creepy. Um, it would need a little bit of adjustment. But I, yeah. I assumed they were going to go more that route than just like scary. straight up fish. Yeah. So that's what I would have envisioned as well. But uh, yeah, they're yeah. going with that kind of more surreal look, I guess. Yeah. But anyways, interesting. Okay, moving on. Um, let's pull up my list here. What are we talking about? What's going on? Um, Bob Odenkirk, who a lot of people know from Breaking Bad, he then went on to do Better Call Saul, uh, and he was in Nobody, which was kind of, it wasn't like a John Wick spinoff, but it was from the same people who did John Wick, and it was very John Wick-esque. I really liked Nobody. I thought Nobody was fantastic, and Bob Odenkirk was like the perfect guy for that role. Just hopped on his socials the other day to <clears throat> confirm some rumors that have been floating around. Every so often, there's rumors floating around that you don't bother putting any stock in because they sound so ridiculous, and it just doesn't make any sense to anybody. And so you go, oh, okay, this is like some stupid internet rumor. But Bob, Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk says it, you know Bob it's Odenkirk true. hopped online the other day and said, no, no, this is, this is 100% true. This movie's coming. We've already shot it. <clears throat> and I, we shot it like under the radar apparently because nobody, nobody really knew this was happening. And uh, and he says he he did his best to pour his heart and soul into all of his lines. Bob Odenkirk is starring in a remake of The Room. Now, for those right now who are saying, I don't know what The Room is, that did might not be hit a good her. thing. I did not. It might it might be a good thing that you don't know what the room don't you're not missing out on any like fantastic cinema. Um Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which is this comically horrible like it, it, it's so if, bad if but, if Hollywood's peak movies are considered A list and things like Sharknado are B movies, the room is probably somewhere down the D, E, maybe even F tier class of movies. Oh, I was going to go Z, and then I I didn't think that that was low enough, so I was going to go like, it's like Z, Z. Like, it, yeah. we had to go into a second iteration of the alphabet. It's like a self-funded romance drama film, but it's weird, and there's a lot Fun of piece weird of things movie about men, it. Uh, kind of trivia here i'm pretty sure this is the first movie that w you and i have ever like you and i have watched lots of movies together but i'm pretty sure it's the 
first movie you and, and or I have both watched e- with Pete, the first movie we ever watched with him. I think I think so. I, I don't know if this is the first movie I ever watched with Pete. It was either this was first and then I showed him Back to the Future or vice versa. Um, but yeah, he showed he showed us this like before there was even a Movie Men podcast, before there was... <clears throat> Yeah, and we're I just was buddies, like, buddies, and he was like, "You guys haven't seen the room? Okay, you got to come over. We'll watch the room, and then we'll watch the spoof remake of the room." And and now that oh, I'm man. thinking about it, it's a little bizarre to me that I proceeded to embark on a film based podcast <laughs> with this gentleman. Um, because he, he was like excited about the room, and uh, so yeah, so there's this movie called The Room, and it's horrible. And then there was a Dave Franco made with his brother James, and I think Seth Rogen's in it. Yeah. They made a film called The Disaster Artist, which is a, a story about the making of The Room. Yeah. It's, it's um, kind of a spoof. It's kind of um, a docu. Um, what do you? Not a documentary. A um, a mockumentary, a mock, mockumentary. No, what do you call it when? Uh, what are like we we talked about like um, like a biopic, the Elvis, like a biopic. It's kind of like a biopic yeah, in kind some of. ways. Yeah, and so it's it's bizarre, and so we're getting we're getting a remake with Bob Odenkirk playing Tommy Wiseau's character playing. I did I didn't do it. I did not, guy. Um, and I'm and when I told Pete this news, he was like, well, wh- like. Why Bob Odenkirk? And I'm like, because why the hell not? I was like, if you're remaking The Room, you can literally cast, like, it's not, there's no, uh, who would be perfect for this role? (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, make make Arnold Schwarzenegger his love interest for all I care. Like, Like, it, the film, I don't know. But then I said to Pete, it dawned on me, what if it's good? (laughs) <laughs> like what if that was that was what I was thinking? What if they like what, took the script, if, rewrote no, it? But what? No. What if the script? What if they don't? <clears throat> what if? What if the script is exactly the same, and just better direction and real actors, and better like cinematography and whatever, like better production <clears throat> value? But what if they take the script and the script is basically untouched, and they make this movie, and it's good? No, you. <laughs> You can't, you can't re, you can't do this. It be good and not rewrite the script. You have to know, make alterations to the script for this to be a cohesive but, story. <laughs> but then, I mean, that also raises the question: Do they want it to be good? Like, what is the goal? I can't imagine the right. goal is to be like to create a, a masterful piece of cinema. Like, oh, so now, and then I said, I said to Pete, I was like, so this is going to come out. And then I feel like we need a follow-up to the disaster oh artist because we need to understand how this film being made came about. Like, that's a story I need to hear. <laughs> like, I'm, who's I'm looking at this? an image with Bob Odenkirk and I don't know who this guy is, but it looks like, it looks like a rooftop scene from, from the room. Yeah, which is the, that's the scene that's the, I did not, I didn't. Yeah, I, you well, know. him and his buddies, buddies holding the football. Oh, uh, I see the image. I, I think that's. I don't know. I don't know if that's real or not, but. <laughs> man, I, yeah. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, what are your thoughts on, uh, on them remaking The Room with Bob <clears throat> Odenkirk? Yeah. 
The disaster artist was fun to watch. The room was, it wasn't boring. Um, and it, I would say it was fun to watch because if you know what you're going into watching the room, the room is hilarious. Like get a bunch of friends. If you're, you're interested in watching the room, don't watch it alone. You need to go into it knowing it's an event, knowing that you're going to talk over the film with your friends about how stupid it is and how funny the lines are and how ridiculous what you're seeing on screen is. You got to get like three or four friends and roast it, the film as you're watching it to really enjoy it. And that's what we did. And it was, it was a lot of fun to watch it, but it is not a good film. (laughs) So I don't know. Oh man. If they make it like shot for shot, word for word, the same, uh, it will be fun to do the same thing again. I think to kind of watch it with a bunch of people and roast it while watching, but to, to watch it, sit down and watch it as a serious film. Like I would, uh, something on my own. Oh man. I don't know. (laughs) This is just, it's just the prospect of it is, is ludicrous. Like of of all all the films films to remake. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's never even been a question. Like, I don't think anyone's ever been like, I wonder when they're going to remake the room. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, We've talked before about like was about films that are being remade or or being made in general and we're just have have asked the question but why who cares and this is like this is like the top of that list who who wanted this <laughs> Oh I don't know <laughs> but it's like it's so far up on that but why list that it starts to make sense. (laughs) That's the, that's the ridiculousness of it, right? Like it starts, you start to go, of course you remake the room. Of course you tap into this. But what's amazing about it is now Tommy Wiseau is, uh, has probably got to hold the record for the most money made off a franchise that, he only made one film for <laughs> like yeah. because they would have had to have paid him to make the disaster artist he would have gotten a good payday from that and yeah. they'd have to send him a nice juicy Paycheck check to one. make the room remake you know what like the more we talk about this it feels like it's like it's kind of like a um a, if you're if you're a film student this is a film the teacher makes you watch to know what not to do. Right? Like it's a, a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a litmus test for quality or, or something right. like that. <clears throat> um, so we, you've Bob, Bob, Bob Odenkirk is like, he's a good actor. So, oh, so he's a like, fantastic actor. Yeah, so for him to like be part of some this kind of remake, I what I'm about to propose is like it'll never happen, but it would be so amazing. This film should be one of those films that's like constantly remade like every other year. 
with whole oh, whole new cast, happen. all new directors, but like they don't change the script at all. They don't ch- like it. Everything shot for shot, word for word, is the same, but with different actors. So make it the new Christmas Carol, except don't have any any like adaptation. No Just adaptation. Just like the same. Let's see how good of an actor Bob Odenkirk is when you put him in the absolute worst role. The Let's worst see how made. good of an actor. Um, <clears throat> let me uh, give me a name of a good actor. Um, uh, Titanic. What's his name? Uh, Leo. Leo. Let's see how good of an actor Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio is when he has to play Tommy Wiseau's character in the room. Right, like the, this it. is the litmus test for are you a good actor? I right? love it. Is Tom Cruise a good actor? Let's see how he does when he plays the lead in the room. And what I love about this idea is this <laughs> role was made for Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yes. It totally was. <laughs> yeah. You would kill it. <laughs> Absolutely made for him. Like Oh man. Fantastic. I love this we- idea. I want I want this to be a thing now. Every year, every other year. All brand new cast, same movie, down to a T for shot for shot, line for line. And this is coming from the guy who doesn't like remakes. So there you oh, go. But it's like, it's not, it's a remake, but it's like, it's it's like the litmus test for an actor. Yeah, <laughs> how, transcends How it. good can you portray this horrible role? That's amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to move on. So Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is right around the corner. Pete and I are barreling forward in our reviews of uh, of the Mission Impossible films to get ourselves ready for it. Um, it's coming out soon. And as is the case with any film that's coming out soon, any big film anyways, they've started doing some test screenings. They stick it in front of some critics and in front of some average Joes and make them sign their life away in, in <laughs> NDAs so that they can't possibly utter a word of it to anyone or Tom Cruise personally shows up and kills you. Um, and the reviews are fantastic. Like everyone who has seen this is reporting back saying it is phenomenal. It is nonstop action. There's no filler. It's just beat after beat after beat and it's amazing but what's interesting and this is a test screening which means in quite often a film that is being test screened is not the final version of the film right because that's they're getting some feedback and seeing how it performs in front of audiences stuff can still hit the editing room floor yeah but we are also only a like several months out from this movie dropping, which means any changes they're going to make at this point, like barring delaying the film massively, are going to be minimal. Like you can't rework storylines. You can't, you know, you can't rework the entire film. You just can kind of like adjust the pacing a little bit and play with some of the edits. Yeah, it's a little too late for reshoots. This this film, this test screening, is clocking in at just a hair over three and a half hours long. Holy crap! And I, 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 so I just googled Mission Impossible. It's apparently it's only one of two. There's there's a it's second part, part one of two. Yeah. Oh man, 
That's ridiculous. It that that time, like I said, that time can come down. (laughs) That time can come down, but but not by an hour. Like they're not going to cut an hour out of this, right? I think like we would all sort of suspect, like okay, like you know, Mission Impossible film. It's going to kind of cap out around two and a half hours. Probably be a little bit less than that. If it's a little over three and a half hours now. This is going to be a long movie. Like, even if they cut some stuff from this test screening, they're not cutting an hour of this film. Not this late in the game. There's just Man. no way. <clears throat> that just seems... For an action spy flick, that is that is too long. I agree. And I'm normally like, the type of, like, give me a nice <clears throat> long movie, whatever, man. Like, I don't... Whatever. I like a nice long movie when when it's done well and it kind of warrants it or or at least it's it continues to be entertaining all the way through which like, so, I mean, but that's the thing I'm, that we're I hearing from this here, test screening quick. hang on i got two points here real quick right like one you can tell an amazing compelling entertaining story that's under two hours easily and we've seen that uh the most recent thing that a uh, movie that i would say shows that really well is werewolf by night yeah right great story really compelling nice and short and sweet right um you can have a longer film <clears throat> that that just feels like you can cut it and it'll be better great example ant-man Go back, listen to our Ant-Man episode. You'll you'll know what I'm talking about, right? Like, so I just feel like, man, to really pack in over three hours of entertainment is a stretch for a film like this. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen the last two Mission Impossibles. The last one I seen was Ghost Protocol. Okay. But, you know, from what I know of the first four films, I mean, two hours is a good run length. Let, why, why does it need to be longer? <laughs> yeah. And and in a film that's already part one of part two, which part one yeah. of part two is not like it was shot that way. So it like that's just a marketing ploy. <clears throat> that's all it is. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's it's yeah, it's it's just a marketing ploy. To, to title it that. Um, yeah. If a yeah. James Bond movie doesn't need to go over two hours and have a part one, part two, there's no reason Mission Impossible does. Yeah. I uh, I don't know, man. I haven't told Pete that yet. He's not going to be. He's excited for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one. He's not going to be jazzed. I mean, here's the runtime. He's not going to be jazzed. That's like we're yeah. at that point we're getting into territory where you need to have like in the theater you need to have an intermission. Yeah. Well like the uh, end game was what? It was close to 3 hours, wasn't it? End game was uh just a little over, I think. End yeah. game. So I would I would argue end game if end game is 3 3 hours plus. 3 hours and 2 minutes. End game has reason to be that long. Reasons being, you've got a lot of characters to to do 
some character development and tell story with right like mission impossible doesn't have an entire universe worth of characters <laughs> built up over the last 20 years like it's got characters built up since 1996 but really the only character that matters is ethan hunt nobody cares about any of the other characters as much Right. Simon's right. Pegg's character, you know, like you give him some screen time character development, but nobody cares. <clears throat> What's Ethan Hunt doing? Mm-hmm. Ethan Hunt doesn't need three hours of screen time <laughs> to tell his story. Right. Avengers, you've got Captain America, you've got Thor, you've got Iron Man, you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy, you've got Thanos. You got, <laughs> like, it's not. You're comparing the run length of these two films is comparing apples to stones, right? They're completely different. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, just it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And I normally, like you said, normally I'm all over long movies, but uh, this is uh, that's a that's a lot for Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um. Harry Potter. We've been talking a lot about Harry Potter. We've been talking about how they seem to be axing the Fantastic Beasts franchise. We've we've sort of speculated on where you go and what do you do. And you know, this is a Harry Potter is an IP that you can't just leave on your shelf to collect dust. You're a fool if you do it. Um, it's one of the biggest film franchises of all time, um, and a huge pop culture footprint. Like a yeah. massive pop culture yeah. footprint. So up um, there was Star Wars and Star Trek, and yeah. Um, so there was a recent investors call, Warner Brothers, and during the investors call, there was a couple of very interesting things said. One was in reference to the potential for future Harry Potter films, um, and they did not flat out say yes we're making more and it's in the works those were the, those those direct words weren't said what was said was that the wizarding world is a huge i'm paraphrasing a little bit but that it's this huge sort of wealth of untapped potential and that um 12 years after the most recent Harry Potter proper film from the the you know main franchise was released it's still huge there's still buzz and and they're seeing that now with the the recent release of Hogwarts Legacy which is just continuing to like ruin people's lives because they're not going to work they're not eating they're not sleeping they're just playing this game um and they said in this investors call <clears throat> that it's a world they that the Harry Potter world is a world that they're just they're still just beginning to expand upon so that pretty much sounds like a confirmation that we know we got to make more Harry Potter films. <laughs> like that's, they're saying like, yeah. Hey man, we've got this Harry Potter thing. It's massive. We know it's massive and we got to do something with it. And we're, you haven't seen nothing yet. So <laughs> it sounds like there's more Harry Potter on the way. The other interesting thing that was said was in reference to DC, which is another Warner brothers property. And that 
there is this exciting dynamic that can come from these dedicated studios that these sort of these governing bodies, these dedicated teams in their own sort of sub studios. Um, and that that is, it's an exciting way forward and that it's, it's sort of, it's a dynamic that Warner brothers is poised to be able to, to do it. They referenced that star Wars does it, <clears throat> that Marvel does it. And they didn't flat out say, so we're creating a Wizarding World studio. But it was sure as hell hinted at that that might be the plan. That that much like, you know, you have Warner Brothers and then under Warner Brothers, you have your DC Studios. We may see a Wizarding World of Harry Potter studio that is responsible for whether it be television shows, whether it be films, whether it, you know, who knows what. Um it's interesting stuff. There's so much to unpack there. You hear this. You hear that, at least to me, it sure as hell seems like a confirmation that there's more Harry Potter on the way. And it also sounds like, like I don't know why you would bring up the dynamic of these sub-studios if that's not what you're talking about doing yourselves. Um, what are your thoughts? Am, am I am I missing the nail entirely? Does Is that what it sounds like to you? And um, we've talked about whether or not more Harry Potter films coming is a good idea or not. But I want to hear your thoughts on on a Wizarding World studio. Um, I mean, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna restart Harry Potter, uh, cast new crew, start from the ground up. <clears throat> this only makes sense. We've we've seen it. <clears throat> it's kind of a model. It kind of started with Marvel, the MCU, and on upon purchase of Star Wars, kind of the model was copy and pasted over to Star Wars. And now, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, DC Lucasfilm was already its own studio, right? So it well, was, it was, that was an easy it one. Was own, it was its own studio proper, though. Yeah, yeah. Right? It was, it was its own entity brought under the Disney umbrella, it was given the same treatment that Marvel had set up. Yeah. No, I agree. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now we see DC copying this format, this, this blueprint <clears throat> because it works. It's, it, it has, is, I mean, star Wars has seen a bit of a rocky road <laughs> under Kathleen Kennedy uh, being running it, but um, it, it still worked. And uh, DC's like Ke um, not Kevin. I was going to say Kevin Feige. Um, <clears throat> James Gunn's roadmap is while when we reviewed it, the roadmap we were kind of like this is these are interesting takes and directions to go. it's still like cohesive feels cohesive and it feels like okay this is like it's all going in one direction you know it's something that you can get behind easily so it only makes sense that if this is what if they're restarting that this what how they restart it they they you know mm -hmm. they get a 
head of wizarding world productions, whatever that, whatever they're going to call it, Potter, the Potter verse, right. To oversee and make sure no matter where the stories are told in terms of storyline or timeline of this world that they all flow together. Yeah. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> if they don't do it, they're, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, man. The wizarding world could become its own company. That is nuts. That's nuts. Um, moving on a film that we've talked about this and, and you know, I'm, there are films that you love and you hold near and dear and the potential of a sequel to it, especially so many years later is both something that you get excited for because you know, you just love it so much and and you'd love to have more from that world. But you also get nervous about because you're like, ah, it's just like, it's been so long and, the Remakes, first one was man. lightning Remakes. in a bottle, and I don't know if you can capture it again. I don't know. like ah. And one of those for me has been Beetlejuice 2, a film that has been in and out of production, scripts had been written on and off ever since the first one came out. They've been batting scripts around and trying to get the thing off the ground, and it never quite took. There was a Beetlejuice does Hawaii script at one point, like 20 years ago, and that didn't turn into anything, thank God. Because um, this just sounds stupid. But uh, Brad Pitt's production company recently said, hey, we're, we're going to do this. We're committed to making Beetlejuice 2. So that kind of breathed some life into it and, and kind of gave us, you know, our first real official, like, hey, yes, this is happening. Um, and it's been full steam ahead ever since. It, it seems like... All lights are green. It's a go. It's happening. You know, let's let's do it. Um, the idea of it, though, is is interesting because when you start getting into casting and understanding that it's been so many years later, because there's an interesting dynamic with this film specifically, in that you have some characters, some actors who have aged for characters that it won't make any sense for them to have aged because they died in the first one and spent most of the film as ghosts. We're talking specifically about Gina Davis's character and Alec Baldwin's character. Now, for obvious reasons, whether Alec aging was Baldwin an issue or not, I don't think they'd be casting Alec Baldwin. <laughs> not anything against <clears throat> Alec Baldwin, not a commentary on... on you know, our opinion no. of who's right and who's wrong and blah, blah, blah. It's just, he's, just he's got be a lot going on up. right now. <laughs> yeah. He's tied up, right? Like, it's just, that's not someone you he want might to bank be your very film. Very tied up. Yeah. That's, that's, go. that's not something you want to bank your film on. Um, <laughs> but even Gina Davis, right? Like Gina Davis's character, it won't make sense for her to have aged. And so you kind of have to, I would assume, take the story elsewhere from that now who can you still have well i think you can still have michael keaton as beetlejuice because he's heavily makeup and and 
you know, whatever. They put makeup on them. They put the the wig cap thing on them. And I think you could still sell that. I think you could make it work. Um, it'd be a little, you know, it's not going to be seamless. You're going to, you'll be able to tell <clears throat> Michael Keaton's a little older in this role. Um, but I think he's still got the energy. I think he, he could pull it off. And you can't do a Beetlejuice film without Beetlejuice. And I don't think you can do Beetlejuice without Michael Keaton. So that one is a given. Uh, Lydia, Winona Ryder's character. She was still alive at the end of Beetlejuice, so it, that makes sense. You, she's aged. Lydia grew up. Um, absolutely. Fantastic. Fine. Um, Lydia's parents, uh, some of those characters are still alive. Her, her father, the actor that played her father, passed away, sadly, a number of years ago. Catherine O'Hara is still alive, though, and man, Catherine O'Hara needs to appear in this film because Catherine O'Hara is just <laughs> a freaking legend. Yeah, she's great. But then that leaves a bit of a, a void, and you kind of need to introduce some new characters to fill some of the roles that you're missing from losing some of your other characters. And Lydia, Winona Ryder's character, will certainly be of the age where she could have a child of her own. And it looks like the Beetlejuice production is eyeing up, is heavily pursuing, and probably in negotiations with Jenna Ortega to play Lydia's daughter. Now look. Every so often, there are castings that are just inspired, right? Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. It's just like, it just fits. It's just like Robert Downey Jr. was born to play that role. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. I mean, the man was just born to play that role. This, to me, is absolutely one of those casting choices i mean we've seen that that jenna ortega can do dark obviously with her very successful run in season one of wednesday playing wednesday adams um and she is she's just kind of like she's in the new scream movie she's kind of this generation's dark goth girl typecast actor character um johnny depp (laughs) <laughs> kind of like Johnny Depp, kind of like Christina Ricci was, right? Um, and in a sense, kind of like Winona Ryder was. When she did Lydia, she was in another Tim Burton film, Edward Scissorhands. And so I, I just, or Hel, even like Helena Bonham Carter, right? She's like, it just it kind of fits into that world in a really satisfying way. To me, this is this is a flawless decision. It's so perfect. Um, we don't know if Tim Burton's directing. I hope Tim Burton directs because, I mean, it's Beetlejuice is one of his babies. Um, we know that Tim Burton and Jenna Ortega work together well because he's the one that did the Wednesday series. This is just genius to me. Like, it it just mm-hmm. is, is, is <clears throat> I, I, it's like, of course, well, you have to get her. You have to, like, yeah. of course she's Lydia's kid. Um, you hear this, what are your thoughts, man? Does this make sense to you? And are you at all interested? I know, legacy sequels and stuff like that, move on, make something new. But Beetlejuice 2, if Michael Keaton comes back, if Catherine O'Hara comes back, if Winona Ryder comes back, if Tim Burton's there, is there... It, is there a sense in doing this? Does it does it have a chance at being good? What are your thoughts? Everything's got a chance at being good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you definitely set the bar higher for yourself because 
you're 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 creating a sequel to a much beloved original uh movie um but this is yeah you can't go wrong with this casting <laughs> uh if it's if it, tr- it turns out to be true and ha- and and that's the case <clears throat> man i think it would be funny though if she wasn't like she gets the part but then her character is like bright and bubbly and not like goth inspired. Oh, I think that, would, that be, would be interesting. That would be such a fun twist. Yeah. That'd right? be a cool like, dynamic. Mom, mom, Winona Ryder's character is just like straight, this kind of dark, broody, goth kind of inspired character still. Mm-hmm. And her, her daughter is just like bright, bubbly, Everything's great, unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> because unlike the animated show where Beetlejuice and Lydia were kind of like buddies, right? They went yeah. on their adventures together. In the film, Beetlejuice is very much the, the villain of that film. Like it, yeah. They don't end on good terms with him. Um, and so it, I, I would assume the dynamic, if they're thinking about casting someone to play Lydia's daughter... Is that, you know, so many years have passed, things have been relatively quiet, everything's fine. And then Beetlejuice rears his ugly face and is now trying to, I don't want to use the word seduce, but I said, I mean, seduce kind of works in in a maniacal kind of way, trying to seduce the next generation, right? Right. Is is in there trying to gain his freedom and manipulate and, and, and do whatever he needs to do to get out and knows that those antics aren't going to work on Lydia because Lydia's outsmarted him before. Um, but maybe, maybe Lydia's daughter's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I got more faith in this thing every single day. (laughs) I, I'd be interested to see where it goes. Yeah. So Final. I got a, I got a question for you on this. Yeah. Though. Oh yeah. You yeah, mentioned yeah. Like you can't you can't do these castings because their their characters are dead. They're ghosts and they yeah. can't age. Why can't a ghost age? Why can't we create a universe where Beetle, Beetlejuice gets older and ghosts get older? And well, so then what happens when a ghost reach? It be, like the question then becomes. What are the logistics of that? Like, are they going to age until they're 80 and then stop aging and just be an 80-year-old ghost forever? Do ghosts have a, a sort of a, a mortality clock ticking and and they cease to be ghosts and then they just disappear from existence? Like, what? Well, I think that could be a fun thing to explore, don't yeah, you? I mean, possibly. Right? Like, wh- why not? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe the whole reason Beetlejuice needs to just seduce a human and or whatever is because you know it, it uh, gives him longevity of some form or something. I don't know. Right. I'm just you know just spitballing, playing devil's advocate here. Like you know, there, I, you're you're you've got a you're creating a world where you know this hasn't really been explored or explained in this well this movie's universe so i mean there's Beetle- always that potential you could just do it and then not explain it and just let people come up with their own theories which is always fun <clears throat> and you know like 
uh, or, or you could explain it with kind of a easy throwaway line that, that most people will accept, or you could make it a huge part of the film and dive into it even further with some lore. Yeah. I mean, Beetlejuice does reveal, um, do, 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 do. Just trying to see if anyone's like done the math on this. Beetlejuice in the film does reference that he he was alive during the time of the plague. So he's he's been dead a long time. Right. Beetlejuice uh do, do, do. Um, as derived from his line after scaring the Dietzes as a snake implied, I'm feeling a little anxious. If you know what I mean, it's been about 600 years. So he's been dead for about 600 years. Um, so there's, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe the age. So yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) All right. Final topic. Big daddy. Iger, who we've talked about. I love the man. I, I, I'm a Bob Iger or as, apologist. As or have you as as you've written in the show notes, and I will now forever refer to him Bon Iger. Bon, yeah. Well, I'm bon also Iger. a Bon Jovi fan, so there's <laughs> you know, there's that. Um Bob Iger, who I think who I thought could do no wrong. recently came out and said some things in reference to the MCU. And it hasn't shaken my faith in Bob Iger, but it's the first thing that I can say wholeheartedly, we don't see eye to eye on. I I disagree immensely. He was talking about the MCU. He didn't flat out come out and say like, ah, you know, this is what's wrong with the MCU because that's, I mean, that's a bad PR thing. You, You know, you don't come out and say like, hey, let me tell you why our properties suck right now. <laughs> um, but he was talking about the MCU and he was talking about the future of the MCU. And he was talking about that the future of the MCU isn't going to be so focused on returning to the well of characters over and over and over again. And sort of what he's referencing to here is that, like, you know, you don't, who needs to see a third or fourth film from a specific character. Right. And that, that it it's tiring and, and not a good business plan moving forward to continue to return to the well of, of the success of, of specific characters. Look, what the issue with Thor love and thunder was not that it was the fourth Thor. It was that it was not a super great movie. <laughs> the problem with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is not that it's the third time we've gotten an Ant-Man film. It was just not a good movie, right? And so yeah. if you continue to if you continue to make every film, whether it's the first time you're seeing a character or it's the fifth time or it's the tenth time, if you continue to approach every film with the same strict level of quality control, then there's nothing wrong with having three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. There's nothing wrong with four Thor movies. There's nothing wrong 
with three Iron Man films. It's when you return to the well of those characters and you just try to like bank it on. Like if James Cam James Cameron, if James Gunn made Guardians of the Galaxy three and just kind of completely phoned it in and was like, well, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Like we don't even, you know, it's going to be great because it's Guardians of the Galaxy. So just, you know, we'll do whatever. Then that's, it's going to be a bad film and it's not going to succeed, right? You can't just bank on that. You have to approach it with this level of of quality control. So I'm sorry, Bob Iger. The issue with the MCU right now is not is not this this the fact that we're getting sequels to to films. It's not the fact that we're revisiting characters. Um, in fact, yes, it's important moving forward. You know, we have to introduce new characters. We have to to keep sort of evolving the universe and adapting it and changing it and, and you know, whatever. Yeah. It needs but to it's, grow. It needs to grow, <clears throat> but you can't have every second film that comes out or every two out of three films that come out, be one that's introducing a new character because that's not going to work in your favor either. We're going to grow very fatigued. We're going to be, overwhelmed we're not going to be able to keep up and we're not going to feel a connection or you know we're not going to be able to to really relate to any of these characters because we're not going to have the chance to get to know them it's just going to be this like speed dating through the marvel pantheon of characters so i i i could not disagree more with this with this statement. I think you return to those, those characters. I saw someone, someone's opinion on this. They made an excellent point is think about a television show. Okay. So think about this upcoming daredevil show, 18 episodes. That means in the course of one year, Audiences are going to return to assume as long as the show continues to be good, as long as every time you put something out, it remains good. Audiences are going to return to that character 18 times in one year. Yeah. So if we have to return, if we return to a character once every two and a half, three, four years, however long it takes to make another sequel to, you know, whatever it is, if there's an Ant-Man 4, as long as the quality is there, we're going to go and we're going to be happy because those are the characters that we know and we've grown to love. It's a gamble every time you release, when you introduce a new character, right? Now, Shang-Chi was a gamble. It's a new character. We don't know. You don't know how audiences are going to respond to it. Now, the quality control was there. You made an incredible film with Shang-Chi. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm very interested in looking forward to a sequel to Shang-Chi. I want to find out where this goes. Yeah. I wonder if he's making this statement purely based off of the last phase of Marvel. Maybe, right, but again, that's not the issue. No, no, no. But like, but if you were if you were to look at the last phase of Marvel, all of the sequel stuff, Black Panther, Ant Man, Thor, 
they they performed poorly or just bad right like and where you know shang chi and what other new films we didn't get any other new films eternals oh eternals didn't do too great either i guess no i mean i like i like eternals but it didn't it didn't perform well i'm in the minority um yeah which is what i'm kind of referring to uh if you, yeah, if I were Bob Iger basing a decision purely on the last phase, I might say something similar. However, I agree with you. He's is wrong. Like <clears throat> he's wrong purely on the fact that every other movie franchise is is and has and will continue to do the exact opposite. Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious doesn't have 20 plus movies. I know it's not 20, but you know what I mean. Pretty damn close. Because they keep introducing new characters and doing away with old. No. Right? Because they've created a f- source of fa- a, a sense of family. Right. The the Harry Potter franchise didn't like didn't do 5 6 films. 7. 7 all different characters. No. Right. You can't, you can do some really nice and fun character development in a first foray introductory film. Shang-Chi is a great example. Almost all the other Marvel store sticking with Marvel. All the other Marvel movies are, are pretty good examples of this. Mm-hmm. But where does the character go f- after their first foray? How do they get to the point where they become part of a larger team, right? You look at the the whole kind of uh, Infinity Saga, uh, phase one, two, and three, I believe it is. And most of the main characters got three films (coughs) that for the most part, didn't directly affect the overarching story. There are a few exceptions. <clears throat> but you get some, like, you follow Tony Ark's story. If you just watch Iron Man 1 and then the Avengers films, the character takes drastic leaps in character development unless you watch... Iron Man 2. I, the, the whole the whole idea of like Iron Man 2 dealing with the PTSD of of what happened in New York. But your time your timeline's off. But yeah, so they there was two Iron Man films, then the Avengers and Iron Man 3 <clears throat> was about his PTSD. Well, but, Iron Man Iron was it, oh was, yeah, it was Iron Man 3 where he was heavily drinking and Yeah, Iron yeah. Man Iron Man 2 was the only one Iron Man was the only one that had two installments. <clears throat> In phase one. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. But you you get my point, you know, like there's this nice character progression that if you follow it through his three films and then the three, the Avengers and then age of Ultron and then, uh, Captain America, civil war. And then the, the end game saga, there's this really beautiful character development that happens that gets him to the point where he's the man that can snap sacrifice and make that sacrifice play 
and in doing but, and, so, and that we're going to and in feel doing so, it it's in a heart wrenching way. Super impactful. Sorry, what did yeah, you say? Exactly. I just exactly basically what you just said that that it presents it that when he does do the snap and sacrifices himself, that it's heart wrenching, <clears throat> and it it wouldn't have been if we had gotten one Iron Man movie. <clears throat> And then, sure, Iron Man shows up in all the Avengers films. He shows up in Civil War, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we haven't really had that time to, like, get to know Tony and see Tony's yeah. story. Then it, we would not feel his sacrifice in the same way. Yeah. It just wouldn't hit. Yeah. yeah. He goes from being, I am Iron Man in episode one, being I'm, I'm, even though at the end of this movie I've grown, I'm still a selfish playboy billionaire to making the snap i am iron man i'm i'm going to protect the world by giving my life yeah the, the, the like the biggest sacrifice the selfless thing that he could possibly do that's such a great character arc oh my gosh <clears throat> right so but you only get that you only get that if he has more than one standalone film yeah yeah absolutely so yeah, Bob Iger's wrong, <laughs> right? You can't, you can't not have multiple standalone films. And maybe he meant something different, but it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully someone someone says Bob, sit down, which I nobody has the power to do. But <laughs> hopefully, someone gets gutsy and says it. All right, yeah. that's 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 it. That's the news, man. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Exhale. Sigh of relief. In, breathe out. The universe All this is perfect. bad synergy. All those bad yeah. movies don't exist, even though they Thank do. you so much for listening. Make sure you check out all our socials below, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, reach out to us. Let us know what you thought about some of the topics we covered, what your opinions are, whether we're right, whether we're wrong. Um, yeah, that can, it means so much. Like the connection, you know, that's that's what we do this for is when you reach out to us and we have a conversation we get to further the conversation have a dialogue together about it uh check out our patreon as little as a buck a month you can support the show get some wicked awesome perks um it's just yeah it's just a good time all around and uh if your wallet's feeling a little too heavy and your dresser drawers are feeling a little too empty we have a merch page you're going to want to check that out. There's uh, there's some fun swag there that you can rock. It's good quality stuff. It's it's fun. You should buy buy our stuff. Yeah, represent. Um, yeah, represent. And uh, yeah, until next week when uh, when we talk about more news, probably probably something Disney related, probably something. We didn't talk about DC at all. I mean, we referenced hey, it yeah. in terms of other things, but there was no DC yeah. news. Come on, DC. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, get on get on the news bandwagon. No Star Wars news. There's no like, what the hell? 